Hello everyone and welcome back to A Dancer's Mindset with myself, Isabella. Today I have the huge honour of speaking with a very good friend of mine, Merit Moore. Now Merit is not only a very talented ballet dancer and has danced with many amazing ballet companies, she's also graduated from Harvard, magna cum laude, and has also studied physics and got a PhD from Oxford. So now you think, how can you combine physics and ballet? Well, she's done it. She now tours all over the world, guest speaking, Forbes 30 under 30, and she dances with robots that she's programmed and built herself. She's honestly a huge inspiration, and I couldn't think of anyone else to speak to. Let's meet Merit. Obviously, we know each other and we're quite close friends. Well, very close. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, no, honestly, though, um, it's a huge honor to have you on the podcast because um, I actually think you are insanely inspiring in what you're doing. And so I think you're going to inspire many people who are listening to this, but just because of, you know, the diverse career that you've carved, you know, um, oh. But I want well, to Izzy, start... we've we've gone through like <laughs> our our journey together has been great. So for me to be here with you and you've been kicking your butt. So <laughs> really, <laughs> I'm like every time I see you on Instagram, I'm like, yes, go girl. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm excited to hear about your life. And I want to start from the beginning. So I want to hear, you know, how did you start ballet in the first place? And when did it become like obvious to you that you had a desire for that as well as the physics side of things yeah so dance started I was about 12 12 13 mm -hmm. I think around 12 so I had done gymnastics for two years so going all the way from the beginning my yeah. parents wouldn't let me do any extra curriculum like I couldn't do soccer I couldn't do gymnastics like my friend was doing gymnastics for years and I was just like I want to do it I want to do it too but they didn't want as like a young kid they didn't want me to have that pressure they felt like all they just wanted me to be a kid so I think I, I started gymnastics they wanted to push it off to like 10 11 I think I got my first class like 9 10 yeah but for gymnastics like I was too I was just too petite for it so I really yeah, like it's so, it, oh, it wasn't the rhythmic gymnast. It was oh, the, okay. Yeah. Yeah, it was the vaults and the pounding. Okay, you have to be very, yeah. And I just, I was in so much pain, but I loved it. It was like my first love ever. But I would wrap myself, like my wrists and my knees. I looked like a mummy. I was just like, <laughs> and I, in the end, I just had to quit. And I just had tears kind of like, yeah, my mom was like, she saw me in the her mirror driving and I just had like tears coming down my face I was just like, devastated and so then we were trying to find something else for me I really wanted to do karate because my mother was a double black belt and she That's then was cool. like I it was she was a very cool woman she's like a petite Korean like five two always wore heels very like <laughs> but, she, <laughs> but could also kick your down. butt I bring her in for show and tell when I was like kindergarten and she'd hurl these like six foot four guys. 
I was great. But I really wanted to do that. But because she she had that expertise, she was critical of the teachers that were in LA. I think it's like, for instance, if we were going to have, you know, like, tell if we were going to have kids or something and we were going to give them to a teacher, like, it'd be hard for us to have them train with a teacher that we didn't really feel was right. So I think that's what my mom felt. And she said I was walking around like my grandfather. Sorry, this is the longest story ever. I have not given <laughs> details. <laughs> um, but anyways, long story short, it was sort of a bribe. She got me to do dance for a couple months. And then I just got hooked. I loved the music. I loved, it just felt so natural. And I got addicted to it. And that's how the dancing started. Long, yeah. long story. <laughs> no, no. So at, at that point, were you already interested in any kind of physics stuff? Or was it very much like, like, did you already have desire then to be a ballet dancer? At that point, I mean, I secretly really loved it and wanted to see how far I could go. But I was told very much when I had started late, yeah. I couldn't do the splits then. I couldn't do the splits till I was 15. Like I just yeah. also, I was going to a very academic school. If I got A's and was doing well in school, then I could go dance. Like it wasn't. Right. So academics was, was put higher than the ballet. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Dancing was, <laughs> yeah, was, it was just the carrot for. <laughs> like, <laughs> to keep you entertained. Um, Yes, and that I was allowed to do, and so no, it was not. It was not on the table for. Yeah, it just wasn't. But I loved it, and that's when it, I got sort of when I was fifteen. Really, sort of, I don't, I wouldn't call it depressed, but it was a sense of what's the point. I was like, there's this thing I'm there's really. There's a pun loved. there. There's a pun there. Yeah, and I just felt like why am I working so hard if I'm not yeah. gonna if it's not gonna be possible like why there were I had no hope no one was giving me any hope and mm. and I just felt like why am I working so hard and if I'm working so hard at that like and not being able to do something I love why am I waking up in the morning to go to school like why am I working hard at school too like what's mm. like just what like without that you feel, passion, without the hope yeah did you feel quite lost as to I mean, did you have in your mind what you want, what you wanted to be at that point? Like, and did you think, oh, it's just not possible for me? Or did you actually have a sense of, I don't really know what I want at all? What's the point of any of it? Yeah, I had no idea. Yeah, were you doing, were you doing well at that point in your dancing? Like, who were you, who were you training with at that point? I was training Russian style in LA. And... I just, I lost, I lost why I was doing it. And so at 15, that's why I did a school year abroad in Italy because I, I, I felt I went to a tiny town in Italy. I looked up, is there dance in Italy in, in Viterbo? Google told me no. So I was like, great, I'm going like, I'm, I'm quitting dance. I'm just going to do academics and live in a foreign country and speak Italian and eat pasta. <laughs> like it was I was like I'm quitting dance I'm I yeah wanted, and, and go around the Vespa. yeah I was like I'm yeah. running away from it like pasta like like I'm going 
But when I was in Italy is when I met serendipitously this teacher, Irina Rosca, who I guess the teacher in Viterbo had passed away. And so she was commuting from Rome to Viterbo to teach these students there, this class in in this um, gym, like in the basement. It was grunt, it was a grungy gym. Yeah. And I saw her teaching and I eyed it. And I was like, I'm not going in. I'm just not going <laughs> in. I'm like, I said, I'm not dancing. Like, I'm not doing it. And then I was like, maybe just the bar. And then <laughs> she took me under her wing. And every weekend I would go to her place. I would sleep at her place. She would train me. I trained with her in Viterbo. I get private lessons. Then my parents would let me over like uh, the holidays, Thanksgiving break, Christmas break, summers. I would go back and train with her. Wow. For like the next six years, I would train every Christmas with her, every holiday with her. I'd sleep on her, like. But so at that point, had your had your why returned? Because that's a lot of commitment for someone who doesn't know what they're doing. Yeah. So at that point, I had, I had gone through this goals. Like at that point, when I had lost my why or the purpose. Yeah. I had talked to my dad because my my dad was a very he loved his work. He was like a work. He loved work. He had this passion. And I asked him, I was like, I don't want, like, why, I'm, like, why am I doing, like, why, why, what's the point of a good grade? Like, because then you go to college and then, and then what? Like, why? I'm like, I'm not excited about any of this. And he, he introduced me to, he introduced me to Tony Robbins, like the whole, and the goal setting. Yeah. And I remember I spent solid, probably like 24 hours going through the goals like goal setting and a big part of that was not just my goals for myself but like how could what I'm dreaming about be beneficial for others hmm. and at, at that moment I was really feeling the lack of hope and I felt like I was like you know what I'm going to push the academics and the dancing as far as I can because I believe it is possible to do both and whatever step forward I make, then, you know, I might not make it, but at least I hope I pave a wave or I give hope to others that they can. Yeah. So that, that was like my, then it was like, okay, fighter. Like, then it was like fighter spirit. Like, <laughs> All right, let's go. <laughs> yeah. Did you already realize then at that point when you were, you know, figuring that out, that you know, obviously with the Tony Robbins thing, figuring out how you can help other people, did you realize that, oh, there's probably a lot of people who want to do both and that can't? And did you already realize that maybe I could be the person that can achieve this and share that with other people? Were you already thinking about that sort of thing, like how this would be quite unique? I At that point, I had really... I found, I believed in the power of hope and how much that meant to me. I just needed that hope. Like I just needed someone to say, might be possible. Did I think that I would be able to do it? I don't think I ever really put that pressure on myself. 
Yeah. Cause I, so I, I said it to myself in a way where it was like, I'm going to go as far as I can and it will help, you know, however far I get, then someone can take it from there, you know, where yeah. I, like, so it was never, I never put that full pressure that like I had to do, I don't know. It, it's kind of similar. Like I, there was that, I just gave myself that hope that I could do it. And then I felt like yeah. actions would speak louder than words. Like we could debate about it all we want with words, but unless mm. someone actually physically does it. Yeah. It's, it, it's the yeah. experimental. Yeah, I did. Yeah. I don't think I was saying I have to do something is necessarily helpful I feel like you know deciding deciding to put the work in deciding that this could happen if I take the action towards it and then I think that's probably what you did correct me if I'm wrong yeah yeah exactly and everyone's different I think some people love that pressure of being like I'm gonna do it like raw me personally if I feel that pressure I I kind of freak out. I go, oh yeah, yeah. Like, oh. yeah. So I've also had to learn how I need to talk to myself. So mm. how I talk to myself is saying like, Mary, you go get, like, you can fail on your, like fall on your face and fail. And like, you know, you might not make it, but any step forward will be helpful. <laughs> and that, yeah. Allow, that allows me all this freedom. Whereas if I start to feel that pressure, Mm-hmm. I become small mm-hmm. again. Yeah. Let's move on now to talking a little bit about how Harvard came about. Because obviously, you know, how did you, first of all, you know, at what point did you decide you wanted to go to Harvard? And, you know, how did you make that happen? So a lot I, of work. <laughs> yeah, it was a lot of work for sure. So I always loved math and, and science. And I had gone to a very academic high school and yeah, I, I just, I just felt like I, I just kind of applied for it and, and pushed for going there. Um, it meant of course, like the good grades, studying really hard for the SATs. And I think if there are any high school students listening to this, the number one thing that's really helpful for colleges is like show them you're passionate about whatever it is you're like colleges I think they want to accept people that will that are passionate and will eat up whatever is given in front of them I don't care if like collecting butterflies is your passion like but if you're passionate about it you like you know show that you're crazy passionate because I can imagine like any job or business or college, it's like pulling people to like something or to do something. It's it's hard work. It's very hard work. So they want to bring in students that are already revved up and, and excited. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I decided to do that. And I, it's also an interesting thing. Izzy, I'm talking way more than like I do on other podcasts, like the inner, I'm like, <laughs> so I hope this is like, okay, but I was thinking, I was like, it's interesting how, you know, how, how sometimes when you get a failure, pushing through, it's like, you just have to trust 
what you, the universe throws at you. So for instance, mm. I had been training so hard in dance and I, I was one of the four Americans to go to Prix de Lausanne. And so secretly in my heart, I was like, oh my God, this is my chance. If I can yeah. go to ballet school or, and this is my senior year. I was like, if I can do it or a company or something, then I want to go dance, right? This is it. I go to Prix de Lausanne. It's like that rig skate stage. I'm a mat. Like it was just, you know, no school looked at me. No company looked at me. And so I ended up being like, okay, well, that was my chance. It ended. But what then ended happening is that I go to Harvard. Mm -hmm. And I think I'm quitting dance. But at Harvard, there's all these performing opportunities. Heather Watson, Damien Wetzel, like the king and queen of balancing, like are there, they're teaching us. I'm then auditioning. Yeah, I won't go through all of the moments, but there's so many moments where I was working so hard towards something. Mm. It fails. I don't get it. I'm really saddened by it. But then the next thing happens that's even, that's like, like it, it would have been, my path would have been so different. And I think worse off if I had then, if I'd straight from high school gone to a ballet company. Yeah. Without, like, yeah, I needed that failure to like push me in the other path. It happens so yeah. many times. Well, every failure is always a lesson learned. It's always like, uh, you know, every rejection is a reflection. You sort of like reflect on, you know, what's happened and how you can move on or improve on it. And obviously you thought, okay, I'm going to have to move on and this is a sign. But then the universe kept throwing you other signs like, hello, we're not done with you yet. <laughs> You've got to keep dancing. Exactly. And the funny thing is, I think that Prix de Lausanne, even though I failed, like I didn't get into a company or I didn't get into a ballet school. Yeah. I think in a big part that helped me get into Harvard because it classified me as someone who, it, it ranked me quite high in the dance world. Oh, they're like, oh, okay, we're, we're, this is someone who's proven that she's very passionate and proving yeah. that she's quite high ranked. So in a bizarre way, that then helped me get into Harvard. Yeah. It's just how it goes. I mean, every yeah. hour of work you put in pays off. Of course, a hundred percent. And obviously like, had you gone to a ballet school, had you gone to a company, you wouldn't have then really fulfilled your passion for physics and then be doing what you're doing now, which is totally unique, you know? Um, so how did you, we've touched on this briefly before, but it's, I want to ask you again, you know, how did you manage um, whilst at Harvard and Oxford, because you, you went to Oxford as well, you know, both very prestigious places and um, would take up a lot of your time. How did you manage to do that and carry on with, um, you know, ballet training? Like, was it possible for you to actually train to, a high level or were you just having to do the bare minimum to try to stay fit you know I think the two things the the two things that I became clear to me was one is time is so precious so I was I mean perhaps too much but I took time seriously like I grew up without a TV. So already 
I don't think that was in my routine to spend time like or or you know if if you yeah. watch something like you know three hours a week or an hour a day like that's seven hours that could be spent towards your passion um mm. and not not that I'm prodding up like you know I, I think it's all it's really good to relax but it just it was like the the time understanding how precious time was and not not being careless with it I think often we can be careless with our time like we go to a party we're not having fun but we end up spending six hours there seven hours there yeah if you have a few drinks then it also ruins your next day like it just yeah that's a, a big chunk of time that could have been really helpful in in yeah. towards your dream um mm. so I I was a bit I was very uh strict with my time and then the second thing was understanding I, I read a ton of a ton of the uh, personal development books but one of them was I think Atomic Habit which gave which was also the power of habit and so I continually worked on making things that were productive a habit so I didn't have mm. to think about it. it it didn't cause me anxiety or stress or like overwork it was just I woke up in the morning I breathed deeply I would roll out my quads on one side and then I'd roll it out on the other side like I would then go and brush my teeth I would do my releves and like you know start rolling my shoulders as I wash my face and then I'd be listening to an audiobook then I'd go straight to the gym I'd have my like I just made things into a habit yeah and it allows I think that habit is a power because then you don't even have to think about it and then you can continue adding more to your plate mm, mm. Rather than, yeah exactly if it's not a habit then you have to think about oh my god I have to go to the gym or oh my god mm. I have to do and it it makes it so much ha- heavier mm. so it was those two things that so you had a lot of tiny habits maybe tons tons and yeah, I would like- write them all out I'd be I'd write them all out being like, okay, in the lecture, I'm going to do my feet exercises. I'm going to sit back and do a little bit of my abs. I'm then going to stretch. And like, <laughs> like, I wrote out everything that I thought a professional ballet dancer would have to do in a day. Oh, yeah. Everything the, that a physics, you know, college yeah. student at Harvard would have to do. And then I would try to be like, where? <laughs> 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 okay well you'd have to do ads so let's do ads during the lecture I have to do releves so releves while I brush my teeth and then roll out my quads while I'm stitching <laughs> which is something I would just much it <laughs> yeah yeah and when talking to my tutor I'll do my squats <laughs> like, like don't mind me I just have to do this but yeah talking about atoms <laughs> Literally. I was not. I'd be on the treadmill reading my physics book. It was just like, it was a bit yeah. much. But they were like, "Oh, don't mind her. <laughs> She's insane." <laughs> totally. I mean, I was the great. Like, yeah, I think I was known as you know one of the hardest. Harvard has a lot of hardworking students. But no, I'm sure. I'm. You don't need to tell me. I'm sure you were <laughs> up there. I'm sure you were. I think I was known as the crazy. (laughs) Well, they were all sat down resting, eating pizza. You were like 
in the gym doing your point. <laughs> I'm sure you yeah. use every moment possible. You've told me before you would go to, at night time and train at night, right? For like yeah. hours. Yeah, I would, I'd go to the empty lecture. I'd, I learned, I was told that if you can teach a class, then you you absorb the material more. So I'd, I'd be talking to this empty lecturer at midnight and I'd be like stretching my leg too. <laughs> I would, I would, and then the cleaning crew would come in and they're just like, oh my God. Like, <laughs> That's it again. Talk, they talk to themselves and they stretch. I like, <laughs> they're totally nuts. Uh, like, oh my goodness. Those were the days. Is- yeah that's uh, honestly it's so inspiring though and that you know it just goes to show like if you literally map out a plan or are so strategic with your time and really realize what it is you want like I'm gonna try my best to make this possible for myself like you can totally make it happen and you it's just a, a matter of you know will and like sheer determination to do it because not everyone will do that merit <laughs> not everyone hard yeah but you think, were very determined you know, and it's it's writing out the little list like what's the little mm. big things it's hard for me to start a big thing but it's breaking it down I mean we've all heard it before but it's like yeah okay you know the goal is that many sit-ups but I'll just do 25 I can do 25 like okay and then I'll do maybe two push-ups <laughs> like <laughs> you know I like I'd be not like yeah. I would just break it down I'd break it all the way down to a, to a, a quantity that I was like, okay, I can do that. Like yeah. if it was anything more than that, I'm like, oh, I don't want to do it. Then I'd be like, okay, we'll cut it in half and just mm. get myself to do it. Um, yeah. Cause it's it all, hard though. It all, you know, accumulates over time. Yeah. And you you just know. need to get in the rhythm, just get it a habit, just mm. push forward. And there, there are tons of doubts. That's the hard part is pushing through the, the long periods where you're like, is it even going to pay off? Yeah. Like, and, and it takes a lot of, for me, what helped me through those times was being like, okay, how, even if it doesn't work out, how do I make sure, how do I feel like I benefited from this? Or, you know, how do I get myself in a place where I'm going to pat myself on the back and be happy that I gave my all, even if it doesn't work out. So then I'm not riding on a reject, like I'm not riding on the result. Yeah. Yeah. At all. And it's really like, okay, I'm going to be, I'm going to be fulfilled and I'm going to know that I gave my all at the end of this. (laughs) Yeah. And obviously something's going to got to come out of this, like this, like you said before, like, no hard work is wasted like it's all going to lead to something even if it's not necessarily the thing you originally thought it would be you know exactly because if that doesn't work out you just you just I'm like you give yourself two hours yeah and then you just push forward because I mean I'll jump ahead a little bit but for instance yeah I was doing my PhD there was this new broad like there was an American in Paris thing that like all the dancers in London were doing oh yeah I remember right and then I got down to fairly far down um but I didn't make the final cut there 
or like I got cut like two cuts before the final cut um and I was like oh bummer you know I felt like oh maybe that was my last chance of being able to I feel like you say that every time I know (laughs) I like (laughs) but then literally a couple months later then was the BBC show the astronauts do you have what it takes and yeah and like I couldn't have done that if I was doing the other thing and no it's just one of those things where it's like it's funny how you just everything happens everything happens the right reason yeah people will hold on to a rejection and allow it to destroy like we'll hold on to it for years and it's like you've you've missed out on all the like you weren't meant to get that you know and you yeah and if you hold yeah if you hold on to that you're not opening yourself up to new things and you're not being like other things are coming yeah. on your plate and you're not you're not allowing it to come on your plate so you've missed out on like everything that was meant to come yeah <laughs> yeah of course um so I think that that's a valuable lesson in itself just like being okay with like things like a rejection or you know a failure even though it's not really you know just like okay that wasn't meant for me that was meant for somebody else I'm my path is you know do something else further down the line I don't know what it is yet but I'm excited to find out (laughs) and you know you've mentioned before that you um I saw an interview you were talking about how you've been rejected like 23 times or something was it 23 yeah something high like my sophomore year in one year in one year yeah yeah Yeah. that's a lot I went on every single audition I could possibly do and but the thing is, I loved it. Like, I think people look at it and are like, oh, why, why? But in my head, I was like, look, I started late. I don't, I don't know this whole ballet world scene. I'm learning new moves every time I go to an audition. I work way harder because I feel like I'm a lazy bum in a normal class. But I work really hard at an audition. Like, I sweat way more. So I was like, yeah. I might as well. And I realized, like, I I had these I had to overcut I would get these nerves and I would get nervous and I wouldn't perform as well and I was like I need to figure out what to do to overcome that and yeah. so each audition I I viewed it as like it jumped me forward in training mm-hmm. and if I knew I had an audition coming up I would work way harder for two weeks leading up to it. Mm. And if I didn't have it, so in a way it was kind of my, uh, I just needed something to be, I well, it gave you my training. Yeah. Yeah, of course it gave you, cause unlike being in a school or company, they'd have a show to get ready for, you know, and that would be the goal. Whereas for you, it was like, okay, the audition is my goal. The audition is my performance because it's, it still simulated the same nervous feeling as you would get in a performance, say. So it's like the only way to get better at that really is to do it as often as possible, mm-hmm. you know, but it's like, obviously that's amazing that you ended up loving it because, you know, for, I'd say the majority of people being told no 23 mm-hmm. times or whatever yeah. the number is, uh, would break someone like mm-hmm. really emotionally. But how yeah. did you tell us like in, in a sentence, like how, what your perspective was on auditions and being told no each time like were you just going going into it thinking more 
this this is an experience I want to have. I want to practice the art of auditioning and and being nervous and performing and doing well. Did you do it more for the experience rather than trying to get, you know, the job as it were? Tell us yeah, a bit more about it. I I felt that what I did for myself was I thought, okay, how am I going to be happy about this? Even if I do 50 auditions and don't make it. Mm. And I thought I was, I read a ton of personal development books and I thought, you know, I want every time I go to an audition, I want to work on, yeah, who I am. Like, so I, I had a sheet of paper at the bar with Mm. me, or I would, I would write on my arm. I still do it to this day. Um, you know, I write down what are the qualities I want to have. Like, be like, okay, authentic, genuine, courageous, confident, mature. I was, I was 19, so I'd be like, yeah, imagine yourself here, this 28 soloist principle. Like, how would you perform? Like, how would you act? I was like, leader. I would just write down honest, moral compassionate, giving energy, generous. And I'd write these qualities down um, in, in invisibly in coming arm. And I just, I felt like I, it was, it would be hard for me to do that to myself on a, every day. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I wouldn't do that for myself day to day. I'm not going to walk out. Like, ideally I would, but somehow I need something that has a high stake or pressure like that. Mm. for me to engage that way so I just felt like it was an opportunity for me to work on myself in a way that I wouldn't in like every day yeah and I I felt like and I could feel the change I could feel it becoming more I would then be like okay when I go and grab my coffee from Starbucks if I want to be this way at the audition then I need to be this way and I need to be re- like when I grab my coffee so that it becomes habit. Yeah. And that then I became addicted to it because I was like, what? Like, this is so cool because I become really lazy when I don't have this. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I loved it. And so, you know, sometimes I it wouldn't work and sometimes I would. And just that yeah. morning process, I just felt like even at the end of 50 auditions, if I don't make it, I really feel like I've grown so mm. much more than if I didn't do those auditions and that's what got me pumped up and excited because I could feel myself becoming a better version of myself each and every time yeah oh that's amazing because I think it, like a lot of successful people I have seen who have you know been in ballet school and they and they go on to be very successful ballerinas you can see that even when they're like 15 years old, they they are thinking and acting as if I am that I am that principal dancer one day, like like I'm just on the journey towards that. Like I know I'm not that now, and it's obvious there's so much to work on, but I'm just on my way to that. That's inevitable. Like it's coming yeah. towards me. It's not like oh god, I'm not good enough. Oh, I'm not going to make it. It's like no, it's on its way. Like I'm just working towards it, but you can see that sort of inner confidence of I'm putting the work in, trying mm-hmm. my absolute best every day, and acting that way. Literally, it, you're putting out such 
good energy towards that goal like there's no kind of like you know walls in your way of like of course you're not going to make it who are you kidding you know and it's like it makes a huge difference and you just see the ones who think that way and then the ones who sadly really really struggle and yeah shifting your mindset and like you did for your auditions like you actively shifted it every time an audition came up and you felt so great yeah it makes a huge difference and it it, it, I think it was also my coach from Italy Irina yeah who because I would be like I'll just turn it on when I'm in class and and because I was kind of living with her she was like no she's like you're on the bus you if you want to be a principal dancer on the stage you're a principal dancer in the in the studio and you walk and you you're on the bus and you're she's like it doesn't turn on because under stress and pressure you revert to what's habit she's like no so you make that habit it's just a I I I could still work on that (laughs) (laughs) no it's so cool though it's so right though um so let's talk about so you graduated from Oxford later right and then was there a moment because now you've done a lot you've danced with by this point quite a few fantastic companies Norwegian Zurich um Boston Ballet um and then you've come away from Harvard and Oxford with these amazing accolades and was there a moment where you were like okay now what like what am I doing now like like I have all these I've done these amazing things how do I utilize that so tell us a bit about that like yeah after the PhD that was hard because I always kind of had a path for like I knew what to do it was like you finish freshman year then you do sophomore year and maybe I would veer and do a ballet company for a year and then I'd come back, but then you'd search junior year and then there's, and then maybe I would do a company and I come back, you know, there was like a track and path. Yeah. And then the world opens up and it's like, oh, well, you've got like a million paths, potential paths. And it's like very daunting. Um, and I did, I lost that North star for a while. I kept thinking about it. I was like, what is my North star? What do you mean by that? Um, as in, I previously, my North Star was proving that you could do professional ballet company and academics. Mm. But then once I'd done it, it was like, you- <laughs> okay, like, like now it's my North Star. Um, mm. And so I was dancing after my PhD because I felt like, you know, I only had a few years left. That's what I felt. Um, and, and I had chosen to do my PhD at a time in which society in the world says it's your ideal time to be dancing. So I was focusing on that. And then the pandemic hit and I really was like intentional about my questions. I always think it's super powerful. If you ask questions, searching for a solution. So the question I kept asking myself was like, okay, you know, with every challenge, there's an opportunity when this pandemic, like, what's the opportunity? And in that, and that's when I kind of fell into that. I was like, well, can't dance with humans. That sucks. But, <laughs> robots don't get COVID. So maybe that's like, that's my, like, that's my opportunity, you know, like maybe I start exploring that. 
that's amazing that that's how you that's how you found that like <laughs> i can't dance with humans <laughs> i guess i'm gonna have to build a robot okay yeah okay so yeah. tell us now how the robot thing because you're dancing with robots now and i want to hear oh, how how this happened so yeah so then i spent a couple months persuading a robot company to lend me a robot i was i was really like you guys i promise it's gonna be like like this needs to happen and they're like we try to sell robots universal robots yeah so a huge shout out to universal robots i love them so uh, but at first it took a little persuading because they're like we tried to sell robots the market for making our manufacturing robots dance is like zero. Like no one's gonna buy. It. Like no one's buying. It. I was like, just, just, just lend it to. It. So they're like, okay, two weeks. And so every single day, I would create content, and it was right when reels were happening, and so they were getting like millions of views. Yeah. One got like fourteen million views, and then the robot company was like, okay, maybe hold on to that robot a little longer, like <laughs> because I was I was doing a ton of marketing for them. And, mm. and in it, then I was just consistent with it. I think there are moments I look back and I'm like, ah, oh, I was, I was, uh, you know, I was listening to people around me, some people who I felt like I respect, like m- mentor-like figures who are like, it's so silly. Like, what are you doing? Mm. You're a dancer. Like, it's, you're not, it's not artistic enough and it's and like the physics you know they're like it's not physics enough and so there were moments that I I was listening to those critiques and I stopped looking back I wish I you I think it's always good to keep the horse blinders on you just need to do what feels right but those videos went viral America's Got Talent asked me to do it live so that was the first time I did it live it didn't air but I got the four yeses and then I performed it live then I just started practicing doing it live. So I did it at a Forbes event, then at Boston Ballet, then at Harvard in front of Mark Zuckerberg, then Bucharest twice, then Switzerland, then LA. Um, and then I was in, yeah. Was that through, did you at that point have some kind of agent that was coordinating that? Or were you just finding all these opportunities yourself? Or was it by by your social media, people discovered your act? Would you call it an act, you know, like in Dance With yeah. Robot? yeah performance yeah thank you yeah um so yes some it's a mix so yeah i'm interested how you got discovered you know yeah no it's a good i think which is making me feel like i should put more effort into social media um but I do feel like a lot of it was social media, like time reached out and financial time and BBC click and like all of these sorts of outlets reached out and yeah, I didn't reach out to them. So mm. from my experience, if I ever try to reach out to someone, like there's some things where I was like, oh, this is cool. Like I'm going to try to reach out. Never works out. Like everything that has ever come my way. Mm is them having reached out yeah um I think there was the Forbes event I reached out um because I 
I was in the UAE and they were coming to the UAE and uh, and do, I had, yeah, and I, I had been a uh, Forbes 30 under 30. So I reached out to them and was like, hi, I'm in the country too. Um, but anything else, they came to me. Yeah, Boston Ballet had reached out. Harvard had reached out. And it's, mm-hmm. or it's like word of mouth or. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so you were building, I, you, were, you were slowly building a reputation of like, you know, yourself. And obviously if you do, you know perform at Harvard and then someone else is going to see that and then time picks it up and then you know all these amazing names then obviously there's reputation to it so I'm interested like you've started this performance you know and you've you you program the robot and you dance with it and then you know already then at this point I'm always interested in like what your thought process is because at Mm -hmm. this point you're performing in all these locations and did you see yourself like okay this is what I'm doing now like this is this is my career like this is or did you again just think well this is what I'm doing right now let's see what happens and where this goes yeah so I then with this robot dancing I feel like I found my north star again Hmm. like then it's like how can I make it bigger and better like there's so much to do as well I feel like Whenever I collaborate with the technology, we can improve the research and and the tech. And also artistically, I feel like there's we're just scratching at the surface. Um, I also want to give credit, though, it was word of mouth, but also I do have a speaking agent in London. So I just, yeah. who has got to me like some things um, like in Bucharest. But the, yeah, so now I feel like I found my North Star. Like, mm-hmm. And I feel like I found my North Star for the next decade. Yeah. Ish. Um, I mean, it'll be interesting when I stop dancing. What happened? Yeah. But right now it's been so fulfilling. Like I just started. So I'm still performing with the robots. But I'm also then hired by NYU Abu Dhabi as adjunct professor and artist in residence. So teaching a course on like robotics and creative process, like creative robots. And so what is that, what does that involve? So I introduce them to some of the robots and we learn. And and they go, hello, I'm Mr. Robot. (laughs) But then, so for instance, Uh. I had this intensive, which was 15 days in a row. It was really intense. Like every day counts as a week in a semester. so it's this like j-term they call it j-term and there's this huge festival in dubai right at the end and i talked to the festival i was like if my students create something can they present it at the festival so then it was this whole creative process where on the first day i'm like look there's this big festival 200,000 people go there throughout the week we have robots what do you want to do? (laughs) Yeah. And it's all about like learning how to ask questions and like what would be interesting. And they, then I had them pitching ideas like on the second day. So they came in with like, what about games? What about robot Broadway? What about like, and then the idea that took off was robot fashion week, uh, New York fashion week, because the theme of the festival was New York and Gen Z. So then we went down the whole fashion show route and we learned about the robots and they had to dec- like create the robots and then they programmed the robot to paint and like wow. a whole thing like 
it, like that we have a story like and it was just it was so much fun I was so I was so impressed it was a lot in 15 days <laughs> like I was just like oh my god um and now I've got uh nearly 40 students for mm. two classes for the next semester um yeah and so we're figuring out we had a first class and they were so creative with the robots as well so it's like great it's like I don't need everyone to start learning about like I don't know forests and pendulums and pulleys and ramps like all the really boring basic physics I'd rather them have an experience gain that confidence around the technology for yeah. them to be like oh okay they don't just so that later on, if they want to go deep, they can go deep. Mm. But they've already played with the fun. Like, they know what it does. Like, on the first day, they they programmed the UR robot, which I danced with. Yeah. And they all came up with fantastic projects. It was amazing. Um, and, like, that's what I care about. I mean, it's interesting because there are professors who will be like, but it's so important like you need to do the fundamentals and you did this and then that. I'm like, dude, like I'm a valley. Like I understand the importance of fundamentals, but sometimes you just need people to like get a taste of what the mm. the cool things are for them then to learn the fundamentals. Yeah. Yeah. To be inspired by it. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. You, you're, you're based in um, Abu Dhabi now. Well, Izzy, this is the news that I haven't told anyone yet. And uh, but as of yesterday, so the flight is booked though for Sunday to Boston. Oh, well, this won't be shared until it's out. Like this will be a while, so you can you can share now yeah. and it'll be out. Yeah. So then I start on Monday with Boston Ballet <laughs> as a as a, their- as a as a as a company member. For, we'll have to perform with our Don Q and Sleeping Beauty until June. So I'm going to be a mad woman <laughs> flying back and forth. Wait, wait. So you're going to be, so you've got a, a contract with Boston Ballet that's like, is what is it, like a six month, um, uh, how many months? April, May, June. Eh, it's like four and a half, yeah. I think. Four and a half month contract. Okay. And so how long is the flight from uh, Abu Dhabi to? so you're gonna be you're gonna be doing that every week no 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 not every week (laughs) (laughs) I had a moment then because obviously what's going to happen with your your students yeah so actually well the fun thing is that already scheduled like some of the sessions were scheduled online because what we do is we learn how to there are these programs they're called software programs called Rhino and Grasshopper and then we learn how to program a massive robot that's in Germany. So that can be done remotely. And then it works out because my spring break here at NYU is when the performances are at Boston Ballet. And then there's a period where I'm off from Boston Ballet. I'm off for like two to three weeks. So then I'm back at NYU Abu Dhabi. That's so, that's so exciting. And then I'm just interested, you know, how do you even get these opportunities like in Boston Ballet like do you have a like a nice friendship with anyone there that's helped you get this opportunity and also um 
I'm interested, you know, why you still have the desire to go back and, you know, go into that company when, you know, potentially what you're doing now is, you know, very fulfilling in itself. Like, you know, the robots with, that you're dancing with and the NYU yeah. stuff, like what gives you that desire to, you know, be part of a different company production still? So uh, the first part in terms of, so yeah, I have been showing my face to Boston Ballet since for nearly like 15 years now. Wow. Yeah. So I auditioned there, I think like my freshman year. I think it was like my first audition ever. And I got down fairly far, but I wasn't accepted. Um, I was also going to Harvard. Mm. But then, you know, I think it's it's like if someone, if you get a rejection, you just go, you go back. And so I think I went back. I might have gotten another rejection. And then I had the opportunity to take class with them over the summer while I was working in the lab at Harvard. And I got invited to then be with them from like August till December. So Labidea and Nutcracker. And I got to do that. And and then, um, like, I think, yeah, I would I would show my face once in a while. Um, and I would go and audition and sometimes not make it. And, like, yeah, there are a number of times where I auditioned and, and also didn't make it. And then, um, or I'd, I'd possibly, like, reach out and you know, I'd be told they'll keep me in mind, but then mm-hmm. it doesn't happen. And and then with the robot thing, I just did it for them because they were doing a whole technology event. And I had reached out being like, hey, like, you know, if you want a dancer, like, I'd love to do it. They were doing a Forsyth artifact and I had performed that at Zurich. So I was like, I know it. And that didn't work out. And um, the director was like, well, perhaps, you know, Nutcracker, and I was like, cool. Um, and Nutcracker came in past and I didn't hear anything. And then I got a phone call being like, hey, like I've kept you in mind. How about Donkey and Sleeping Beauty? So I think it's, um, and I, I was just like, yeah, of course. I think it's one of those things where like, I sometimes see people who were get a rejection and will mm. get really upset about it and like not want to go back or, blame the director or get angry at them or you know like just create a bad vibe about it and I think everything has a time and a place so there's no I don't know there's like sometimes they have a spot and sometimes they don't and sometimes someone's better than you and sometimes you know but like there's nothing to be ashamed of I think if you yeah if you put yourself out there when you were when you were told no were you told, oh, this isn't, you know, did you ever ask a reason why? Because often I think why people get very upset sometimes is when they ask why and then they get some, uh, you know, they get an opinion about them like, oh, yeah. we don't think you're this or we don't think you're that. Um, was that any ever said to you, that kind of critique? Um, I don't think I ever really asked why. I just assumed it would be something like that, right? Okay. And in so my head, really, yeah. Yeah. In my head, it's like, it's up to me 
to be so incredible mm. that it's it's a no-brainer like in in my head that's like the idea. not that I am that incredible you know but like in my head I always felt like if I'm if I work to if I focus to be so incredibly exceptional mm. like really amazing the fact that I have brown hair or blonde hair like this it won't even yeah it'll make less of a be less of a factor I guess um, you you'd want to focus more on like just feeling like you're the best you possibly can be that yeah. if they said no to you it's like well I know I'm in the best shape I can be in I know I'm doing yeah, and, my absolute best so and it yeah. means I need to be better it means yeah. if it wasn't a hands down like we need her Mm. there's stuff I can improve on right like yeah like if it wasn't uh oh my god we're confident it's her if there's like a "Mm," then it means I gave a "Uh," like (laughs) yeah it's on me not them (laughs) yeah in a Mm -hmm. way like no no you're right you're right and there's some directors that will just never like you know, it's, it's artistic, right? So some people like white chocolate, some people like dark chocolate and like, yeah, like ideally if you're white chocolate, go to the director that likes white chocolate. <laughs> like, or, yeah. Like, yeah. Well, I think that's, you know, just a very good way of looking at it and a very rational way of looking at it. Yeah, I think like sweet and salty, you know, it's like, yeah, I think um, being very, rational about the situation is really key like Mm -hmm. not taking it not taking it so personally like it's not personal it's just okay and and like you say like assess the situation why don't I think I got that oh okay it's probably because I need to improve on something like you know remove your ego from it you know Mm -hmm. and I think always also at auditions it helped me to be compassionate for or like sympathize with the directors or the ballet like teachers being like they have a really hard job right like they're mm. having to navigate 50 different personalities and mm. they I mean, like they have this one spot they have one mm. hour to look at people and choose mm-hmm. like you know it's it's all yeah it's they hard. have tons of dancers lined up at their doors mm. so and I do think that you know, it helps too with any job that you do. You know, like do it well, be consistent, be professional, show up, stay at extra time. It, people, you know, it it be easy to work with. Yeah, and that sort of leads me to my final question, which is, you know, what is your advice? How would what is your advice for? success and achieving what you want in life what would you give even give advice to yourself when you were younger for younger merit trying to pursue our dreams I think now because I can also see you know I, I'm I see a young I'm around a bunch of uh, students that are young like I'm a professor yeah. so I have, I have students the thing that I'm noticing more and more is, and it, it just increased it for all ages, definitely, and I think it's like social media, but is this increase of anxiety or, and, yeah. and 
um, an emotion around it. And I would say, and I got a lot of people saying like, oh, don't, aren't you worried that you're going to burn out? Aren't you like overdoing it, et cetera. Mm. But, but I can see that people who like, will they'll say, oh, I opened up my computer. It caused me so much anxiety. I closed it and then I watched TV for hours. And the, I feel like it's not the quantity that you do. It's not how much that you're doing. It's like how much you're letting it affect you emotionally. Yeah. And, and that's the part that like, if you get a rejection, you can feel it for two hours. Sure. But then onwards, right? Like pack it up, put it away and go. I feel like, yeah, like the ability to bounce back, like that's what I think the key is like, otherwise if, or just little things, like if you get angry because someone's cut you in line at Starbucks, like that's exhausting. Like, yeah, I, it's, yeah, it's so funny. I thought about this the other day. I was just like, um, in order to have a long lasting career, but also a successful one where you actually enjoy it, you have to actually allow yourself to almost enjoy the setbacks as well. Like, okay, that lesson learned. What have I learned from that? Move on next. Like that, enjoy that whole progression and hold. To be able to laugh about it. You like, yeah. you got, you got to like, it's, I think that's, I would say that's the key to success because otherwise you're too exhausted and you can't get out of bed. Like, yeah, everything is. Yeah. And you feel like if you're not perfect, then there's no point doing it at all. Like some people, you know, don't even show up to class because they're afraid of not being perfect, you know? And it's like, you do have to ask yourself, how is that actually helping me get closer to where I want to be? You know, and it's, and it's, and I think, you know, you're, you're an amazing testament to that because I, I know, I know you very well. And I know you're like, Izzy, I'm, I'm running here and I've, I've missed my plane, but I'm, I'm getting on now. And it's like, and it's like, you are, you are just like hustling all around the world, slightly late. And then, (laughs) (laughs) but managing to just like, enjoy it and be like, I made it (laughs) and enjoy the whole ride. And then be like, you know, I ran into this person. I literally bumped into him and he offered me a job. <laughs> you know, and you're like a huge testament to like whatever life throws at you. In, enjoy it and, you know, learn what you can from it. Even if it's seemingly like, oh gosh, a setback. Um, Yeah. Would you agree? Yeah. You got like, I mean... The number of fires and chaos and stuff that happens, <laughs> you know, um, just that happens in life. And yeah, because I, I was dealing with a move and like personal stuff and just, hmm. but I, I think it's like, you got, yeah, it's the same stuff that I think people repeat, which is like finding the gratitude in the little things. I'm like, oh, yeah. I'm and you like a flower. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but also throughout all that, going back to what you said in the beginning, you've also you've you've retained a lot of hope throughout all of this. Like even through 
adversity and through difficult times you've always thought you know you've always held on to like hope like you know I'm grateful I'm here I'm grateful I'm in the Middle East like you know I'm hopeful something will come out of this and then you know you've got this job and then you know now Boston's happening like you've always held on to that really positive like mindset and positive hopeful heart which I think has led you just from one opportunity to another like and crazy opportunities like and it's like you know you've achieved so much and you're incredibly inspiring so you know it's I really hope everyone who's um listened to this feels you know incredibly motivated and inspired because you know you are literally one in a million I don't think anyone will I don't know if anyone will ever do what you've done you know <laughs> Thank you, so you give so much to everyone like via your podcasts and like like all of your lessons like it's really oh you're... <laughs> most for the two of us has been like <laughs> yeah no I mean I'm, I'm... <laughs> yeah I mean I'm so proud of you and um I really appreciate you coming on the podcast today and just thank you so much for giving me your your valued time. <laughs> Aww, thank, anytime. Anytime for you, Izzy. Thank you, Merit.